I think we're ready, so camera, and you're ready too, Roger, and all this kind of stuff. So, it is Christmas time. Just a second here, let me make sure I got all this working. It, I, I'm not working, so thanks for helping me get that working. But go ahead and pop it over, and then it, it's the most wonderful time of the year, so go ahead, okay? All right? Can you do it all together? It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you. I want you to look at the colors. You guys, I'm not working. It's the most You look at the colors. Am I gonna have to tell you or you tell me? Yell at me. Do I have it? All right, well, then just start making them go, okay? So, look, all of the different colors, all of the different... I just love the colors of it, the course that you keep going. And then you get to all of the different food and all this kind of stuff. And eggnog, one of my personal favorites. It doesn't like me so much, but I like it a lot. Okay, Christmas presents, giving presents, getting presents, the whole thing. And then don't forget getting together with people and being able to spend time with them. This is an office party kind of a setting, and I know... You know, office parties are a mixed bag, but they're great in the end, right? And then you've got people getting together in special ways for the holiday season. Keep going. Okay, and then family gets together and keep going. And then, you know, just all kinds of people everywhere celebrating, being together, the, the lights, the colors and stuff. Look at this table for one second. Just look at the colors that are on that table and tell me any time of the year that that could be other than Christmas. See that? There's a, not another time of the year that things look like they do at Christmas. We use the most brilliant colors, but we use them in that deep, rich tone of that color. And in every color and all of these things, it's just gorgeous. Keep going. Okay, and then here's the, here's, you know, families and couples getting together and, you know, bad sweater days and songs. I mean, what do you sing in front of your friends except at Christmas, right? Okay, and then you get to get into some good intimate conversation. And then, then coming all the way, and let me know when I can get this back, so give me something. Okay, now I'm on. So that was totally his error, of course. All right, so you see, and this is that, you know, right? Look at just, I mean, that's Christmas. Think about this. There's no other time of year you can go ahead and kill, the, fade. <laughs> I'm supposed to say kill at Christmas, right? I don't think. Just want us to see, there's no other time of year when we do anything like this. Like on 4th of July, there's fireworks. But that's the time of the fireworks. Maybe there's some flags out, but that's it, right? There's no other time of the year. We don't do it for Labor Day or Memorial Day, or we don't do it for Easter even, right? I mean, there's some things around Easter, but not like Christmas. Christmas is everything lit up everywhere, all the colors, all the lights, all of, all of this kind of stuff. It is not just the most wonderful time of the year, it's the most glorious time of the year. Isn't that how you think about it? When you think about Christmas, you think about Christmas as being glorious, don't you? Right? That's a good word for that day. What, what other holiday would you think of as being glorious? It's Christmas, right? Now, that's interesting. Because when you look at glory and the word glory in the Old Testament, you start seeing something about this word, which is when we think of glory, what do we think of? Light. That's what we usually think of, right? A bright light, right? But actually glory means much more than that. It does mean light, 
But what it means actually is, oh, by the way, I've got an illustration sitting back there in a plastic bag, and you guys can help me if you would bring it forward. There, what, what glory is, is a weight and a substance. The Hebrew word is not just light. It's light that has substance in it. You see what I mean? It has a weight in it. For example, in the Old Testament, when they dedicate the tabernacle and then they dedicate the temple, both times it says, the glory of the Lord fell. And when it says the glory of the Lord fell, understand, what that means is his presence. Okay? It's, yes, God can manifest himself in so many different ways and make himself known to us. Thank you. Awesome. Are we... You tell me which one I'm running. Thank you. Okay? But, but now somehow it ran, so go back. Okay. But now watch. When the Bible talks about glory, it's talking about something that is like a thick cloud. Only cloud isn't even the right word because it has essence to it. It has substance and being in it. So that the priests in the tabernacle and the tabernacle can't even stand. Now I want you to understand something about the Christmas story that you may not have caught before. And that is, watch this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the radiance, which is light, right? The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. The reason why NLT will take a few more words to talk about this is because it's trying to point out something. It's trying to point out that what, ha what shows up here is not just light. It is this presence of God. And what's their response to it? Oh boy. No, it's they were terrified. <laughs> this is something, this is, if, if you saw, if you were out in the middle of this field, right, tending sheep, and all of a sudden there's this bright light that shows up, you're pretty freaked right there, right? But if you can feel that light, that's like crossing that personal boundary. That's like an essence that is in you, that is touching you, that is waiting down. That's what glory is. And so they're terrified. Now, the angel comes and says, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Right? Good, great news to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in snugly, uh, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You see it? Now, now I want you to think about something. Everything that we experience, all those pictures that I just showed of lights and colors and, and gifts, Jesus is God's gift to us. It is his presence with us, Emmanuel, God with us. So every single thing, this peace on earth, goodwill towards men, the fact that at Christmas time people get together, give gifts, put on all of these lights, get all of these rich colors, bring something different and significant into being. The reason why we do this comes right out of that. You see that? It's the same thing. It's, it's the, all of the stuff that we do today, we can trace right back to what these guys were feeling. Now, if that's true, that means something. It means that when we experience Christmas, it isn't just about 
lights and color and gifts and friends and relationships and so on. It also means that there's something of his glory and weight and substance that he's bringing at this time. See? Now that is what we're going to look at today. And what I want to say is, is we're going we're gonna to discover how to have a Christmas that is filled with all the joyous stuff of Christmas and all of the substantive weight, all of the fullness and richness that God has in it. Okay? So we have Kaylee Ray who is going to be praying for us. Where is she? Oh, there you go. There you go. This is awesome. Thank you. So pray for the sermon. Pray for another church. God, we've come to you today, and I pray as Kurt speaks today that your words will come through his mouth and that we'll all be able to take something unique away from his message. Thank you, Lord. And God, I lift up the church that you have in China, God, as Christians Amen. are being persecuted there every day. I pray that you will show up there and that you will just grow the church over there and you'll just protect your children, God. Thank in you. your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Interesting prayer. Uh, hmm. All right. Now, no, interesting as in good, as in uh, we may end up talking about that one day. That's just interesting. That's where your heart is. Okay. All right. Don't be afraid. <laughs> then again, maybe. Okay. You never know with me. All right. Okay. Last week, what we're doing in this holiday season is we've pushed pause on our Empowered series, right? And what we're doing during this holiday season is, is we're looking at things that mark Christmas. Today during worship, when, this, when that song went into praise, Kevin introduced it and talked about Kara's sermon last week and talking about that incredible sermon. I always can tell when God has done something special in a sermon because when I'm meeting with people throughout the week, they'll talk to me about it. But not about, wow, that was a really good sermon. That's not what they say. What they'll do is I was at breakfast, for example, yesterday and talking with this guy that I really love and, and we were talking and, he, and just as we were talking, he said, well, you know, like what Kara did in her sermon and then he was talking about how he was applying it to his life about how that would help him with this thing that he was dealing with. See that? Now, you know God's moving when that stuff starts happening, right? And so the point is, I got to tell you, in my own life, I went out and I bought a great, I, I realized something. The only time I really worship anymore, and I used to worship all the time. Back when I was in seminary, I, there was this little chapel that was just perfectly acoustically made. And I used to, an hour and a half or more, I would just walk back and forth singing to God. And I'm a horrible singer. But boy, in that room, I was, you know, I was, who? What's a really good singer? Michael Bublé, okay? <laughs> only much better than Michael Bublé. Better than Dave Irish, Okay. But as I was walking and singing and there was this worship that was going on, and as Kara pointed out last week, it was changing the circumstances. It was changing actual things. Now, so I went out after her sermon and I realized I don't have worship in my life right now except for Sunday morning. That's it. And I went, wow, you know, I do devotionals and I'm not worshiping. I mean, I'll sing a kind of a little song to myself. But I went out and got some good headphones and if, if anybody hears about a crazy man walking around downtown Bellevue singing to himself, well, that's me, okay? And, and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm listening to worship now at the beginning of my devotional walk, okay? Because I want that back in my life because it makes a difference. I was awesome. One of the things that marked Christmas. However, the one that we're doing today, that's, that one is 
you know, with the choir and everything else, that's obvious, right? The music and the joy that comes out. The one that we're doing today is something that marks Christmas just as much, but it's actually something that I would suspect that most people don't even know is there. Not, not consciously. You, you know it, but you don't think about it. And, and let's make it clear now. Christmas is about Jesus, okay? It's about God coming to us. Emmanuel, God with us. This is amazing. Christmas is about Jesus. But I wonder if you were aware, now we're not in our Empowered series, so we're actually in a different aspect of what the Holy Spirit does, even though they're all connected. But what I want you to do is, I wonder if you're aware how much the Holy Spirit was involved in the Nativity. I mean, think about this. I'm just going to go through Luke, but I could go through other Gospels and find the same thing. But look at this. At the very beginning, there's Zechariah. He's a priest. He's ministering on that special day inside the thing where you get selected and so on. He's old. He and his wife had wanted children, but they're way too old to have children. The angel Gabriel comes to him and says, you're going to have a child. And he's, you know, right? And, he's, and the angel says about that child, John the Baptist, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. See? Then what happens is, is that the angel Gabriel goes to Mary and says, you're going to bear this child who is God. How can this be? I've never even had relations with a man. What does he say? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. See it? Now you go to the next one, okay? Now Mary's pregnant, and you can imagine she's betrothed, which is like engagement, only much more serious, right? I mean, if you broke off a betrothment in those days, it was just like getting a divorce, okay? It was that serious. But there was this betrothal period. She's in that betrothal period, and now you can imagine she's pregnant and starting to show, and so you can imagine she might want to go somewhere where she might be a little safer, so she goes to a relative, Elizabeth, who is carrying now, as an old woman, who is carrying John the Baptist, who is said by the angel to be filled since the womb. And sure enough, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her. Why did he leap? Because he's got the Holy Spirit inside of him, and he sees his Lord, or he feels his Lord's presence, and he goes, wow! <laughs> and she then, Elizabeth, is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to say things. It doesn't say that Mary at this point in time was filled with the Spirit, but it definitely implies it when it says, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Lord. See, she's, she too now is bubbling over. I mean, if you're pregnant and you know that God did it, but nobody else does and everything else, and all of a sudden God is telling you through a baby in another woman's womb and through the Holy Spirit quickening that, don't you, don't you, can't you see how that would be incredibly relieving? I mean, that would be like, God does have this. He's got me in his hands. But yet she's not just having that sort of peace. She's having a moment of joy filled with the Spirit. See what I mean? This is incredible what is taking place here. And then, of course, after John the Baptist is born, right, there's a dispute about his name, and Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this prophecy. You see this? Look, here's what's being said. The Holy Spirit's all over this thing. Right? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing what the Holy Spirit does. If you were to say, what's the primary task of the Holy Spirit? And, and by the way, you know, you've got to be careful when you talk about this stuff, but we also want to be careful to talk about it. Right? Because the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And what we want to be doing is we want to be clear about what it is. And you do understand that at the most fundamental level, as concerns us, the most fundamental thing that the Holy Spirit's doing is pointing people to Christ. Everything that he does, from creation forward, everything that he does is pointing people to Christ. Now, what does Christ do? What does Jesus do? Points people to the Father, which is to say the fullness of God and the whole of the Trinity. See what I mean? But you catch the drift. The Holy Spirit is pointing towards them. Jesus is pointing towards them. And so what we see is, here's what the Holy Spirit's doing. Look, before, before she's even impregnated, the Holy Spirit's moving and setting some things up. As she gets impregnated, the Holy Spirit is making inside of her this child. As the next thing happens, he's got a prophecy here. He's got a leaping. He's got a, you see what I mean? The Holy Spirit's doing all kinds of things to point everybody to who this child really is. To the significance, to the meaning of this moment. What this really is. As opposed to all the other things it could be, Right? He's pointing people to this thing. He's working. He's doing what he does. In fact, if you think about the Holy Spirit, the first time that we see him, as, so to speak, in Scripture is right at the very beginning, right? Where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we can think of God there as the triune God and also as Father God, okay? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, now, I've talked about it before, but this word without form and void, in Hebrew, this is called tohu wabohu, okay? And tohu wabohu is this, you can, you can see how the words kind of go together? Here's what it's saying. The Holy Spirit is creating shape out of nothing, out of, out of stuff that is indistinguishable. He's causing it to come together in some sort of particular shape, and here's the key now, for a particular reason, so that there's meaning in it. That's what tohu abohu means. Tohu abohu means it doesn't have any form, it doesn't have any meaning. There's no meaning even possible because it's all one thing, see? But then the Holy Spirit starts to make it not one thing. He starts to make it this thing, and as it contrasted to this thing, as contrasted to this thing, as this, and he starts making all of these things in a way that we can look at and start seeing meaning. If I were to illustrate this, I'm going to take, this is gak, or goop, or, you know, whatever, right? Whatever you want to call it, okay? But what this is, is, is this is that stuff that kids get, you know, and everything else. Well, I want to, I want to do something interesting here. When the, when the, when the scientists say what happened first was what? The Big Bang. Now, when they talk about the Big Bang, what are they talking about? In the beginning, there was light. Okay, that's what they describe it as, light. But do understand, when the scientists say light, they're not just talking about light, are they? They're talking about a plasmic kind of substance. There was nothing, and then suddenly there's, there's this eruption of, of, this, of this plasmic type stuff, like the sun is made of. You know, the sun doesn't have like a surface and, and then a bunch of stuff going on above the surface. The sun is just this. It's just, an, it's just a plasmic stuff that is combusting and so on and throwing off heat. And, and when you go to the beginning of creation, everything is just this. Now, understand something. See, right now, when there's just plasma, first nanoseconds after creation, understand, there isn't plasma and not plasma. 
There's nothing but plasma. That's all everything is. So now tell me, what, what kind of meaning, what kind of distinction, what kind of lesson can we learn from that plasma? Well, interestingly enough, you actually can learn a little something. You, you do know when we talked about glory, it sounds a little bit like that plasma, doesn't it? One of the most extraordinary places of apologetics, this idea of is God really real, comes right down to this kind of a thing. If you go into every other religion's explanation for how things came to be, the more we come to understand scientifically about what happened, the less it comports with their creation story. In Christianity, it's the exact opposite. The more that we discover about in science, the more it lines up unbelievably with exactly what scripture says. They, they may take volumes and volumes and volumes to describe the plasma and, and mathematically and, and all kinds of different ways. And here's what the Bible says, in the beginning was light. And it talks about the light as substance. It talks about it as something that becomes matter. That's the same way the scientists talk about it. The, it, it so there's something in here, right? I mean, we, even from this plasma, we can start getting God's presence. Right? If we want to, we can look and we can see meaning in there. But then what happens? As it goes, you see, as I'm touching this, do you see how it's turning different colors? So there's the original color that it was, and then it's, it, as I'm, you see what I mean? Now, if you were to look at this, what the scientists say is, is that this plasma, which was indistinguishable, as it began to stretch and as it began to grow, what happened was, is it began to cool. And you see how even as I'm stretching it, it begins to separate in certain places? This is exactly what the scientists say is happening with creation. See, and it's creating spaces where there's plasma and not plasma. As the plasma is starting to gather together as it cools and it starts to become different kinds of matter. What's that? Is it, is it, it was falling? Okay, thank you. But this is, this is the idea. As it cools, it starts to become distinguishable. And all of a sudden you get a little star. It'll, it'll, it'll lump off and it'll become its own little, right, of that what was in the beginning and it'll be sending off all of this light and so on. Now, now watch this. First day of creation, Holy Spirit is hovering over all of it and he's making distinctions in it so that all of a sudden we have light and dark. That's all it was in the beginning, right? We're not even at matter yet. But we're at light and dark, and, and now think about this from our Christian understanding of meaning. What does light mean? Life. It means something that's, that's alive, that can grow. It means something that's got energy in it. It means something good. What does dark mean? An absence of life. An absence of something that's good. And we, even, we even correlate light with goodness and darkness with evil, Right? You see, as the Holy Spirit makes a distinction, there's meaning in it. It keeps going. And the second and the third day, I'm gonna, I could do this more, but I don't want to take all the time on this. But in the second and third day, do you remember the first thing he does is to, is to separate the expanses? Now just think about that for a second. You know, even in our own galaxy, uh, several of the planets, quote unquote, in our galaxy, they're not planets, they're not rocks like we are with it having a rock and then maybe an atmosphere, although most of the rocks don't have an atmosphere in our galaxy. And the ones that do have an atmosphere are nothing but atmosphere. You do realize it's Saturn and those bigger planets, they're just gaseous. They don't, it's not like you could plunge through the clouds and then land on something firm. There isn't anything firm. It gets so dense that you couldn't go any further, but it doesn't, it's not like ground and not ground. 
It's just one thing again, see? But all of a sudden, what God does in this particular planet is he begins to separate the expanses. He, this thing called water that's it's just unbelievable because it's absolutely critical to all of life. And it can be in a solid, a liquid, and a gaseous form all within the relatively very, very small range of temperatures that we can tolerate as life on Earth. And because of that, you get this thing that is now covered with water, just like scientists say covered with water. And then what happens on day three? All of a sudden land starts to come up. Now I want you to think about meaning here again, right? When the land starts to come up, if we're looking at this, if we're finding God in it, here's what we find in there. God's creating a home for us. Could we have accomplished what we'd accomplished if there was no land? That, that we, you, could, you could maybe come up with something, I don't know what, but it wouldn't be even close to what we have. There's something about the fact that we're not limited to the water. There's something about the fact that God created a place for us to be. And by the way, that place is not just because land versus water. It's that this rock hurtling through space in the middle of, you know, there's not one other place in space that doesn't kill us instantly. <laughs> and yet here's this rock balancing all these deadly forces in a way that it brings energy to us, but not too much. So that we can live, but not be baked. See? So there's this incredible distinction that he's doing. And like I say, if we're, if we're looking for meaning, what we're saying is, is God made a home for us. Made a place for us to be. To start to learn about him, right? And then, then there's a separation of organic versus inorganic. All of a sudden there's life. You know what I mean? But that life is, it's not something that could praise God and worship God. So now there's sensate beings, beings that can move through the water, and then they're moving over the course of the land. But it's still not, you know, there, there isn't, on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, there's no pack of dogs in the world that are gathering for worship. <laughs> See? They might, they might coordinate for the hunt. But see, it's a primal, it's a, it's a feed thing. There's nobody who's doing a higher level thing. There's this extraordinary thing that God made. Oh, by the way, let me do le greater and lesser lights. Do you remember when he does greater and lesser lights, sun and moon? Think about that, meaning. What's the meaning of that? Think about it. There's God who is the source of all of light, life. And then there's us, the lesser lights. The only reason we're a light, though, is because we reflect his glory. You see it? I mean, there's just meaning throughout all of this stuff. And by the time we get to mankind, by the time we get to a being that is transcendent of this very planet, all animals are limited to this planet. There's no animal that has built a spaceship and sailed outside of this planet. It, wouldn't, it doesn't even occur to them. But God has made us by breathing into us a spiritual essence. He's made us beings that have this extraordinary capacity to transcend our environment. To do things like worship. To do things like understand meaning. See this? Now, the naturalist will come and they will say, well, that's just the way we evolved. You know, we... You, it's, it's evolutionary beneficial that what should happen is is that a brain should develop that would be able to see meaning in things so that it could learn things, right? Well, I just want to say what came first, the chicken or the egg? Because the way God describes this is, look, we all know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to us. 
Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth, the sky. Through everything God made, we can clearly see everything about him, including his invisible qualities. He's spirit. We don't see him, but we can know everything about him. See that? From what he's made. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was hovering over everything that was made, and he was putting his imprint in, which is to say he was shaping and making it distinct in a certain way to have a certain meaning that we could find. But do note that even right here, God is demonstrating that he doesn't overcome our free will. Right? Because what you can do is, they can clearly see his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God, but then he'll go on and say, but nonetheless, what they'll do is they'll push this truth away from them. See, the naturalist says the brain evolves so that it can make up meaning so that we can learn things, but it's all just fake, and, it, and God is one of the things that it makes up. Here's what the Bible's saying. If you want to believe that, feel free. The problem is there's a test at the end. See, if there really was meaning that he was putting in there and that he was wanting you to see, he's telling you, I'm holding you accountable to it. Did you push it away? I made you to be this way. You can choose not to believe that, but it doesn't make it less true. <laughs> see? And if this is true, and one day you're sitting there and you're standing before him, and he's going, what did you get out of all the stuff I made for you? Did you get the meaning? And you're going, no, I, I decided that that wasn't actually true. That's a choice that you've made, a free will choice to not be with him. See it? That's what this life is all about. These, this choice, is there a God? And boy, I hope if you say there is a God that your answer would be, then I ought to be worshiping him. And, and if you want to just go to the course level and say, so he doesn't smite me, okay. But actually, when you learn about him, his invisible attributes, his character, his nature, his divine nature, what you find in his provision is a loving God. You don't find a God that's mad at you. We do live in a fallen world, and things are falling apart because of this fallen world. But what you actually find is something quite extraordinary. So here's what I'm getting after. Look at what the Holy Spirit is doing as he's, as he's doing all of this separation and this distinction, as he's making this meaning through what he forms. We've got the vastness of the universe. We've got this unbelievable rock on which is water. We've got these kinds of distinctions that are, that are phenomenal. We've got not just things, beauty, beauty, that should tell you something about him, right? I mean, he could have just made one kind of food. It's all we need, right? But how much poorer would life be? Understand who he really is because he's the one that makes phenomenal. Look at that. You see the little ship down there? I mean, just, you know, that's rain that gets over the land, and, you know, and, and look at these colors. I mean, why? He's just showing off. <laughs> right? Look at that. And it's not just that. Look at this. It's, It just keeps going and going. We are so isolated in an urban environment. 
right? Most of the stuff we see is concrete and steel and brick and stuff man-made, right? Boy, that's a very, very small percentage of what exists on the face of the earth. He made animals that we can eat protein from. And as Hugh Ross, when he was here, said, he said, the thing you have to understand about protein is, have you ever, have you ever seen how much, you, you know what a horse does not have time for? Doing any studies about algebra. Why? Because he's got to eat all day long. Have you ever ridden a horse and he wants to eat while you're riding him? You would think, hey, stay focused. You know what I mean? Come on, we're riding now. Eat later. But, you know, because of the, because of the nature of the grains that they're eating, if you're a vegetarian, you know you've got to eat a lot. Okay? Because your body, that's not the, right? But if you eat protein, you can actually go long periods of time between eating and you have time to build stuff. Now, that doesn't mean you, whatever. Okay, don't, don't write me about that, okay? I was going to put in here, Hugh Ross said something else about animals, and that is, is Julie in here right now? You owe me, baby, right now, okay? All right. I was going to put a horse in a, in a harness carrying a carriage, which is also a very lovely scene. And the reason why is because Hugh Ross points out something about, about us and animals. Wherever mankind learned how to use animals to increase productivity, civilization followed. Society came out of that. The animals made it possible for us to get so much done that we were able to civilize and create societies and cultures and so on. Okay? But I, I knew if I was going to do a horse that for a Christmas present for Julia, I had to do that kind of a horse rather than one in a harness, which, okay, so that's for you, honey, all right? But, but here, I mean, look at this. See this? Until you get to that place, you can't, see what I mean? You, you can't produce enough. But then you start getting to places where God has given us these animals to do these incredible things. And then, and look at this. What the heck? You know, we've found a lot of planets. You know what we've never found even remotely close to? Anything like that. That's just life. That's food just growing. Okay? I mean, abundantly. And there's nuts. And then there's these delicious fruits that taste good. Are we seeing this? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to understand that the Holy Spirit does really good work. When he's making distinctions between things, he really goes for it. You know what I mean? I mean, he really goes for it. He makes all kinds of distinctions and so on so that we can learn something about the substance of God, the provision of God, the love of God, the care of God, the amazing way that he's made this planet to be able to take abuse and to do all kinds of things. And that doesn't give us a license to abuse it, but you get the point. It's, 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 it, 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 it's beyond comprehension, the degree, just like God is. He's beyond our comprehension, and yet we can learn so much about him by just learning these things about all these things that the Holy Spirit does. Now, but understand and remember, see, this is not for somebody who's sitting in here who doesn't believe in God. You don't have to believe any of this. You can simply say, ah, oh, we find meaning with his meaning, and it just happened to work out pretty well for us. You can say that, but understand it's a choice. 
And these choices are happening not just on the created level, but they're happening on every single level that's happening in our lives. For example, there was this guy, Jesus, whose birth we're celebrating. And Jesus grew up, and he did pretty extraordinary things. He did such extraordinary things that people that do not know Jesus, people that are not Christians, can say, rightly, there has never been another human being that ever lived that was more important to the course of civilization than Jesus. To people getting along together, to people coming together. I'm not saying there hasn't been things, bad things done in the name of God. But there has never been another person. You can't go to a Gandhi. You can't go to a Confucius. You can't go to a Buddha. You can't go to anybody else and even get remotely close to the impact on the world that this one human being has had. And here's something that this one human being said about himself. This is in our soap on Tuesday. People surrounded Jesus and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Look what his answer is. She's like, I've already told you plainly, and you don't believe me. But look, I didn't just tell you. I proved it. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. If you don't believe me, because, uh, but you don't believe me because you're not my sheep, the Father and I are one. Now, C.S. Lewis famously about this passage and others, famously said about Christ, if you're going to be serious about understanding who Jesus is, I mean, if you don't believe in him, it's fine. You, you have that free will choice. But if you're going to take a look at him, you're going to come down, it's going to boil down to one basic truth about him, and that's this. When Jesus said stuff like that, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. Okay? He could be a liar, right? He could be saying things in order to get advantage, right? There's all kinds of people that go around saying, I'm a prophet of God and support me. Give me money, right? Give me things. Put me up. Take care of me. Now, here's the problem with Jesus being a liar. If he was a liar, he was bad at it because he never got anything out of it. What he got out of, he didn't get things from people. He gave things to people. There's no evidence anywhere that he got any benefit out of it. To the contrary, what he got was a cross. So if he was a liar, somehow he didn't get the other part of the lying, lie to your benefit, because he lied to his harm, which may make him a lunatic, okay? Which is to say that he, he thought he was really Lord. I lived in Venice Beach. Can I just tell you, I could walk down the beach any day of the week and I could find three or four Jesuses, Okay? They were skateboarding, and they were doing drugs, and they were having all kinds of fun, and they were Jesus. Here's the one thing that they didn't do, the very thing that he said he does. They didn't do miracles. They were high enough, they thought they were doing miracles, but they weren't actual miracles. Just a joke. But do you get the point? If he was a lunatic, he was a bad lunatic. Because he kept doing all these good things. He kept doing things that were evidence of something else. What was the something else that he was doing evidence of? It, it, now, really, I really do. If, if this is a challenge to you, if this is speaking to you in any way, shape, or form about something, I want you to go and I want you to consider whether C.S. Lewis is right. Is there any other option than liar, lunatic, or Lord? Is there any other option? Because I can't find one. And if you do find one, have it be with an L so that we can use that, okay? <laughs> but you catch the drift. Liar, lunatic, or there's only one thing. Everything that he did evidenced and proved and demonstrated that he is, in fact, God. We'll just have to keep going. Okay? Thank you, though.
you have to make a choice to see the meaning that the Holy Spirit's producing. See it? You can enter into the Christmas season and never see the meaning that he's putting there. And I don't mean the meaning that Jesus is Lord. I mean it much more fundamentally. Here's what I mean by this. This is, this is the universe, and we're going into, and we're going eventually, quite a ways from now, we'll actually get to the Milky Way galaxy. And, as we, and then this is the expanse of God, the magnificence of God, and this is what we learned from it. And here's the Milky Way galaxy now. Let's see how long it took us to even get to that little blip, because it was nothing but a little blip or not even a blip. And now we're getting all the way down to our solar system inside of the Milky Way galaxy. And then we get all the way down to our planet. And you see how long it takes us just to get to our planet. And here's this little bitty rock, right? But boy, what a beautiful blue jewel that is. And then we come down, and here we are. That Bay Area there, right? I think, or is it? That's not Seattle, is it? No, that's Bay Area. That's Bay Area, yeah. So, all right, so we're coming down, and right about, right about, uh, right about here, we're hitting human scale. This is our size now. But now watch how, watch how long it took us to get all the way down to our size. And now watch how long it takes us, because actually this clip is exactly as long after human scale as it is before. And it wasn't because they measured it to human scale. It's because it turns out the universe is as large as it is intimate. And so you see, as you start drilling down, there is a smallness to the things about this planet that are as distant from us in human scale as is the largeness of the universe. Did you know that? We think of the universe as being huge, and then there's small stuff around us. But you have to understand, it's that impossibly small. And in fact, when you start getting inside of the nucleus of an atom, what happens is when you start getting into the, to the you know, neutrons and protons and so on, you start, they, they go to this white because what they're discovering is there's still more that they're discovering, right? Every time they smash those atoms, they're finding out there's other stuff that's coming out of it. In other words, there is smaller matter than that atom. So let me put it this way. At this point in time, we roughly know the extent of the universe, but we still don't know the fullness of how small it is. And here's what I get out of that, if I'm looking for meaning. I get that as massive and infinite as God is, he's even more intimate to my life. Most of us here have come to know Christ. And what you have learned in your walk is, is that he is working in your life in extraordinary fashion, right? One of the ways that over time you come to believe that God really is is because of the way that he's doing all of these things in your life. The Holy Spirit is shaping and forming still the things of your life in a way that has meaning. And what he's trying to do is to get you to understand that meaning so that you can learn from it, so that you can grow from it, so that you can increase, so that you can come into this ever greater understanding of who he is and what your life is about and what he's trying to do with you and conforming you into his image. And he's doing these things in the most minute ways, in ways that people say, I shouldn't pray about a parking space. And then we go way, way, way below a parking space to something that is just so intimate, that is so personal, that is so individualized to you. Right? Every single person's journey, the reason why we have fingerprints that look different than every other person's fingerprint is because every single person's journey is completely different. 
Because that's how the Holy Spirit's working. Now, what I want to do is I want to take us and I want to just say, think about this now and understand, okay? So I get that the Holy Spirit is doing all kinds of things in me if I will seek its meaning. And then I do this. I say, I'm in the Christmas season and I'm seeing all of this friends and lights and color and glory and wonder and I begin to seek meaning and I begin to realize that God doesn't want it to just be about color and friendship and, and Christmas trees and presents and gifts and so on, but he also wants it to be about something that has substance. He wants it to be about something that has meaning, that has presence in it. See it? And what's that mean for us? The Holy Spirit came before Jesus was even conceived and started orchestrating moments for Jesus to then show us the meaning of that moment. The Holy Spirit is in your life right now, going before you in ways you cannot know, working with friends and neighbors and co-workers and people that you're going to be interacting with in the next, you know, what is it, 10 days, right? And what he's doing is he's orchestrating all of these things and you can blow right past it and never get its meaning. Never see that he orchestrated a moment. But if you will be mindful to how the Holy Spirit works in your life that he's still shaping and forming when you go into the office party, when you go into the great, you know, we have this tradition that we've been doing for about 15 years with somebody in the church and some people and it's at dinner and, and it's, just, it's, it's just so wonderful. When I go to that dinner, I'm not going there expecting anything to happen other than just have a lot of fun, right? But what happens if I stop and I understand that God may have orchestrated a moment in there so that all of a sudden I get to have all of the fun, but all of a sudden something that God has orchestrated, the Holy Spirit has orchestrated, can also happen. Because here's what I'm telling you. You can't get a better gift than to give Christ, than to give meaning, than to help somebody. When you're in that moment, it, you get more out of it than they do, right? Jesus Christ is the best gift that's ever been given. Here's what he's asking us for. Pass it on. <laughs> so do this right now. What I want you to do is I want you to stop, and I want you to just close your eyes right now, and I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord, God, start talking to me about these moments. Make me sensitive to these moments, and even be asking him for some revelation about what these moments might be. Do you see that? So just close your eyes and just be asking him. You know, uh, we've been talking about this treasure hunting type thing and, and looking for a vision or an image or something that would help you, help you identify what that thing was. And so ask him for, you know, a, a, an image or a vision or something or, or start bringing a person to your mind even. Just take a second here and be asking him, God, use me. Make this season meaningful. You've already made it meaningful. Help me to enter into its meaning. Help me to enter into the distinction that you've made for me to find. Pray this.
use us. Open our eyes. Open our hearts' eyes. Let our spirits see. Holy Spirit, grab a hold of us and rivet our attention to particular things that we could be doing this season. Right now, things that you've been orchestrating and bringing to pass, don't let us just go by them. Let us catch them and enter into what you've prepared. This glorious thing. Thank you, Jesus. time to pray in the spirit if you do that I hope all of you do if you don't, talk to me do so in quiet ways so that you don't disturb a neighbor but asking him for revelation asking him to quicken you asking him to change you I know that people are afraid of being used in these settings the best way to get over that fear is just to step out a few times and see what God does. So pray against any fear. Pray against any trepidation. Pray against any, you know, I'm going to look like a fool or I'm not going to know what I'm doing or whatever. You're an instrument of the Holy Spirit. He's already orchestrated all the moments for you. He's already put them together. And since before the foundation of the world, He prepared this moment for you to enter into. So I'm thinking you got what it takes, no matter what it is. So tell him that even though, if, even if you're afraid to be used of him like that, I know that you've orchestrated this for me, and, and so bring me into it. Thank you, Lord. This is the beginning of a prayer that we're all to be praying for the next 10 days, and then why don't we just add another 365 onto it for good measure. But I want to take one minute, and I just want to say, did anybody have anything that they would share with us? You know, you know what a living Christmas tree is? You know where people look like a Christmas tree and then they sing? And you know what Pinterest is, right? That's where you go and you show people your arts and your crafts and the things that you did, right? Well, we're going to become living Pinterest right now, just for a couple of minutes. And, and I, want you to, I want you to share with people ideas that you might have gotten in that prayer or ideas that you might have about how you could make this season not just be a blob of colors and lights and everything else, but actually come to that, that distinct thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce. So does anybody have something? Just raise your hands and share it with us. We'll bring the mic to you. I realize that this is a tough question compared to some of the ones we've been doing, but back here. Okay, there's D. Thank you, guys. Go ahead and stand up. Huh. Testing, testing. I got a heart altered by love. Amen. Who else? Just share, share a witty invention, an idea, what you could do, Winda. I'm told the mic is... I don't know. We seem to be having a, a bugaboo going on with mine, too. That might be something that the sound people ought to know uh, when they come on Tuesday. 
what came to mind is a person I know that has an empty warehouse that needs to be rented, and that my Christmas present to him is supposed to be to pray it into being that he gets a renter. That's awesome. Keep us posted on that and see how we might help something like that if it becomes a ministry. Who else has something that you could, that you could do? Sorry, Alex, but you're running now, baby. Okay. Thanks, John. Hello. Oh, good morning, everybody. I'm a personal trainer for Sammamish Club, and we just got new management, and they've been struggling with a vision. And I got an answer on how we need to serve like Jesus and training and helping people find their health, find their fitness, so they have the strength and courage to go out to do what you propose to us today. Praise God, John. Yes. That is awesome. Who else? I saw in the back here. Okay. Thank you. We'll come back. Can we get the other one? Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Go ahead. Right here, right here on the corner. Well, go ahead. Praying that God helps me start my um, care coordinating business this year, that he gets me some angels investors that see the vision that I see so that I can have my business that Amen. is going to probably make a lot of senior citizens and people who have Amen. special needs life better. Amen. Right behind two, two rows, just behind on the right-hand side. Right there. Something that struck me uh, watching the video and everything is uh, this one thing right in the middle of everything, uh, the universe, time, space, all of it, is heaven. Heaven? In the midst thereof, between yeah. the waters. And we're to be bringing that. There was somebody up here that had something. We're just going for a couple of more. So like I said, if you've got something that you really want to share, you're going to have to do it here pretty quick because we're going to run out of time. I, I'm not going very long on this like some of the discussions that we do. I just, want to, I just want to start us getting thinking about this, right? This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the creative juices flowing. It's not just praying that you'd be receptive. It's actually being proactive about what might that be. Asking the Lord and just thinking about it. Go ahead. Um, I just felt like last Sunday in the service when we were praising and yeah. lifting our hearts to God and, and going into new depths of praise and, and in our relationships with God, that God was telling me that this is going to be a new season of victory. 2014 is going to be victory. Be, victory Lord. in our lives, in our spiritual lives, Lord. and even in the outer areas of our lives, you know, in the world. Um, God's doing a new thing. That's awesome. And I saw so, the evidence of that this last week. A family member has just broken through and overcome some very difficult and long-standing so, struggles. So let's take meaning on this. You're going to family. How many people have, don't raise your hands, how many people have difficult family situations that they're walking into and so on? And you could be talking about, you know, and you've lost hope and you just learned how to do mm -hmm. it in the sort of lowest common denominator, minimalist kind of a way. And all of a sudden what we're starting to think is, is wow, what if you praised God? What if you started mm -hmm. understanding that the Holy Spirit's been orchestrating some things? It doesn't mean you have to go in there and force your way through the door. That typically doesn't work, right? But what it does mean is that you're not closing the door by your unwillingness to be open to the fact that God might do, have been doing something in that person's life mm -hmm. during that time. Do you see it? Did you want to say something more? Yeah, just that, like you say, you see, if, you, if we view them, even through the discouragement and the tough times, and it seems like nothing is changing, through the Lord's eyes, how he sees oh, amen that. To that. And pray that and praise God for that. Amen. He'll bring it to pass. Amen. I think we're going to go ahead and, and roll on now. Oh, okay, Bill. Okay. 
the one thing while while we were uh, praying was uh, that the that I thought about Jesus' prayer. You know, said you know, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And thinking the opportunity that we have is like we all get to be gifts to the world. And there's so much depression, so much injustice, so many things out yeah. there in the world. We get to be encouragement. Amen. And and taking each day and looking, uh, you, you, as Moses said, you, you know, Amen. God, if I go anywhere and try and do this without you, I'm yeah. nothing. We get to be that good news. And we get to be that with him. And it yeah. is taking that time relationally with him every morning and then bringing yeah. The fullness of God, let me, is, I think it's his intention right now for our, in our society for us to be the kingdom of God on earth. Amen. And he wants to move. I think it's a time where there's a, an empowerment. He wants a people that's, that's awesome. aware of him and that will be obedient and respond to him and bring God's kingdom in the midst of some difficult situations no question. and some obstacles in people's life and bring the kingdom of God, the, Amen. the glory of God. Amen. We're going to do one more, and then I really am cutting it off, but Justine raised her hand, and I, I want to just, okay. And I know that there's other people that have good ideas, but you catch what we're trying to do right here. We're trying to build some thought of how do I actually do this. Go ahead. Well, I just saw um, a window, um, and as people were talking, I'm like, oh, this is what that is, that we are the window into God's heart. And as we were praying, you know, there's angst about, well, people do Santa or not Santa, or people do this or that, and, and, and what are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? And I felt like God said, it's not a fight. You just be a window to my peace, Amen. and everything else fades away. Amen. If you want a great introduction to what we're going to be talking about next week, that's it. I mean, next week, this God has given me something about his heart and what, what's happening in this Christmas season that's amazing. And so let me end with this, okay? Most of you have been here and, and know what stop and go, stop and pray is. And what stop and pray is, is this little card that we're putting by our door to go out of our house or our door to go out of um, our office. And it looks like this. Okay? Lord, show me or tell me something that will help me recognize who you want me to reach out to as I go out. In other words, when you leave your home, when you leave your office, what's happening is you're going into the world, you're going into your mission field, and there are people that need something. And what we're trying to train ourselves to do is we're trying to train ourselves to stop and for one minute pray so that we prepare ourselves as we go out, right? Now, here's something that I know to be true. If you take that to your door three weeks ago when we asked you to do it the first time, by now you can walk right by it and not even know that it's there. And the reason why is because the brain's a funny little thing. The brain notices what's new not what has been there for three weeks. So what we did is, thanks to Justine, we sprigged it up a little bit and made it nice and Christmassy for you. I think that's a mistletoe, you and God kissing or something, I guess. But, but the point is that there's a little mistletoe there. If that was weird, it shouldn't be, okay. All right, but, a little, but there's, a little, there's a little Christmassy thing. And what I want you to do is, right now, ushers, please come forward. The ushers are going to be passing out the big card and the little card. And we've got the two different sizes. Remember, I like the big one. But I want you, what I want you to do is go home or go to your office. If you didn't put one up, put this one up. Go ahead, just start passing them out. Okay, just, do you see what I'm saying? Just, just give stacks of them to people to be passed out, okay? It's not, do I want one? It's, go ahead and take one. And then, <laughs> see, you're going to get one before you get out of here, okay? We're stuffing it in your pants pocket, all right? All right. But, but you catch the drift. You see what we're doing? Okay? 
and I want you to move it. Move it to a different place. Don't put it where you are. Mine was taped over a little, you know, thing that I didn't need, but I'm going to move it. I'm going to take one of these, and I'm going to put it in another place now. See? Do we get it? Okay. That's going to take us quite a long time to pass these out. Maybe if, maybe if somebody could, Lance, would you hop up and grab half of those and start from the back and, and uh, um, hop up and help them, okay? Ben, that was you, okay? And take it from the back and move it forward. This is a big deal, you guys. This is not something that we're just going to do for a couple of weeks and then it'll be gone. We're going to be pushing this button for a long time. So you know what? Let's go ahead and start doing it. Okay, and let's start seeing what happens when we actually do these things, when we pray for a minute, see what God starts to do to transform our lives. And now, even though I recognize it's a little busy and there's things going on, I'm going to pray. Okay? Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we come before your throne right now. And what we want is we want to take the joy and the brilliance and the glory of this season, and we want to experience it in fullness all of the friendships, all of the love, all of the bright lights, all of the everything, but also all of the meaning that you would have in it right now, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take us and move us through these times where we are having moments of rejoicing and moments of being used by you to bring someone else to a place of rejoicing. This is good news. This is peace on earth and goodwill towards all men, all women, all of us. In Jesus' holy and precious name, God, take us right now. We recognize that we have fallen short of this. And so what we do is we reach down in front of us and we grab this communion. And we take that lower cup in which is this body that is broken. And what it signifies is, is that we have let life get ahead of us. We have let bright lights and noise drown out the still, small, quiet voice that is taking us into the ever richer, ever better. God, thanks for bright lights and, and lots of noise of fun and joy. But thanks, too, that you will cause us to hear you. We put our finger in here saying we have been a little deaf or more than that, and we take our finger and we break this bread together. And the crunch of it is us saying to you, repent we repent we want to be made whole thank God Jesus that you came and that you took all of the consequences of our decisions upon yourself and that you have now made us whole you have healed us by your stripes you've restored us so in Jesus name we lift this cup in which is the healing of Christ and we eat this together Lord in Jesus name we lift this cup in which is the life that you have already purchased for us just as Jesus 2,000 years ago did everything that was necessary for me in 2013 so too the Holy Spirit has already been moving and shaping creating meaning and we say God we want that life you've already done it just help us actually enter into it so in Jesus' holy and precious name, take this cup together, saying to yourself, I want that life in fullness. In Jesus' name.
Ushers, thank you for coming forward. I recognize that it's wrong of me on one level to remind you about the staff offering, but at the same time it's right because my heart is not for myself on this. My heart is for the staff. It's an important part of their year as it is for many of you with bonuses and so on. I understand that. This is the time where we take an offering and we bless the staff with this and say thank you for the service, for the way that you've poured out your life for us. Also, this is a time for taking up your tithe. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, we come before your throne and we thank you. And we ask you, God, to receive from our hand the blessing that you put there. <laughs> the reason that we can give is because you put it in our hand to begin with. And so in Jesus' name, we gladly, joyfully, celebratorily, we pour back into your kingdom, saying your kingdom come and your will be done in glorious fullness. In Jesus' name.